0: or online at victoriasecret.com.
1: Bridgerton, the official podcast, is a partnership between Shondaland Audio and iHeartRadio. Welcome to Bridgerton, the official podcast, your exclusive peek behind the curtain of Shondaland's Bridgerton series. Before we meet our guests this week, here's a brief recap of episode 208, The Viscount Who Loved Me. A passionate night turns into a terrifying morning as Anthony rushes to save Kate after her riding accident. Anthony can't bear to visit her while she recovers. But when she awakens, Violet Bridgerton urges Anthony not to lose her. And after a failed proposal, the pair reunite at the final ball in a well deserved season finale. Joining host Gabrielle Collins this week is Simone Ashley, who plays Kate Sharma, Jonathan Bailey, who plays Anthony Bridgerton, and Cheryl Dunier, director of episodes 207 and 208.
2: Hi! Welcome back to Bridgerton, the official podcast. Hi. How are you doing today? Today's the 15th of
3: February. And I realized this day last year was when it was announced that I was joining the world of Bridgerton. Wow. Kind of crazy we're doing the podcast today because <laughs> <laughs> it's been a very crazy year. I think um, me casting for the role, it all happened within like 14 days. It was like blink and I got the role kind of thing. It was so fast paced. And you know, it was in the middle of the
2: pandemic yeah and the fact that it's february 15th like full circle (laughs) i know i remember i was
3: like i literally moved into this apartment i like moved all my stuff from la here i was a bit all over the place and i was putting my ikea table together and then the casting announce was announced and it was just like okay like (laughs) oh my god yeah And now a year later, I'm sat talking with you and we've done it.
2: (laughs) Wow. So weird.
3: (laughs) That is so crazy. I think it was when we wrapped, we were doing press the next day and me, Johnny and Adjua were outside and we were just about to get in our cars and we were like, you know, it's so rare where you put so much work into a project and you know it's going to just be fantastic and that we all love it at the same time how special is that and how privileged are we to be a part of all of this honestly really like the most special year of my life so far I'll never forget it
4: yeah I mean it was incredibly special being back on set I think after having you know had such uh, a wild year as everyone has you know because obviously of the pandemic but then within that to have Bridgerton come out and for it to become what it became, it felt like no time had passed, but uh, you know, we'd ex- all experienced these extraordinary things. So yeah, it was really cathartic. It was brilliant. Obviously knowing that I was going to step in into the sort of romance narrative this time around was thrilling and intimidating and, you know, scary in all the right ways. And uh, the best I could do really on the run up to it was to get fit um look at myself uh, because obviously you want to just dive into the material um, and Chris Van Dusen is such a genius and I know we got scripts quite late on so I'd met Charithra and well Simone first um, in the flesh and we did a chemistry test so that was one big piece of the puzzle and then met Charithra on a Zoom chemistry test. And so it was like seeing all the pieces fall into place was um, was really, really exciting. And then the scripts came last, really. So yeah, just had to sort of hold your nerve in that respect in terms of prep.
3: It's really nostalgic for me, actually, to kind of think back on receiving episodes because we would all have Zoom read-throughs together and, you know, reading the scripts. Just, yeah, L- last year was one of the most special years of my life. I think it was 11 months of work. So basically you know, a whole year of being in these scripts and in this world and with these amazing, talented casting crew and people. It was just, it was like literally 11 months of Bridgerton of just con- so consumed in that world, which I love.
2: I didn't realize it was that long of a production.
3: Yeah. Like, so we, uh, when I got cast, I literally then went straight into wig fittings, makeup tests, and horse riding and then we were filming accent training rehearsals and then we wrapped by end of November so I loved it (laughs) I didn't want it to end
4: (laughs) I think with season two especially it was an amazing long-term marathon challenge and to be effectively a member of the crew because you're in every day was amazing
2: when I hear you talk about the prep and the work that you did put into it I hope Listeners realize you're not just showing up and being gorgeous. No, not at which all. yes, but like it's so much work you guys are doing.
3: That it was so much work, but you know what? The scripts were written so beautifully. Chris Van Dusen is such a, a wonderful soul, such a gentle character, but also so smart. And he, he knew what he wanted with this story. So to work with him and with such beautiful writing, to have such amazing chemistry with Johnny, and for him to be leading this show and being such a wonderful human he is, and every, everything put together, it didn't feel like work. We all wanted to create this fabulous love
2: story. What was your experience like working with with Cheryl?
3: I loved working with Cheryl. I think she's got a really good heart. And I think that really, it really bleeds into her work and um, just how she is on set and how she works. Working with her, similar with Johnny, like we didn't have to have like loads of lengthy conversations. It was quite unspoken. Like she would just kind of say a few things and we would get it.
5: Simone was so great, charming. She's lovely. She's just, you know, everything. So it was like, oh my God, I can't, you know, I, I love you and uh, all of the work that you do. I sex education, one of my favorite shows. And look how, it is gorgeous. She was just, she was just the most charming, you know, wonderful person who, who listened, who was on point, who, you know, showed up, who expressed herself, who took direction,
2: was Jeffrey like Jeffrey Jerr? Like, what role does he play in? Yeah, Jeff
5: Jerr, he's my side. You know, he was like the most gentle guy, right? I mean, you, you think that somebody who kind of creates a look for a show, who's dedicated to a show, who shot the whole you know, show or the whole season is going to be like tired and like, all right, girl, I'm out. But we were, he was like, let's meet on the weekend and talk about this. He was just—he was like a kid. He felt we—we we were both like kids, and we both. St- he stood at the wheels, meaning there's these wheels where you can kind of work the camera in the room. Um, while some DPs actually sit down and other people do stuff. Jeff was working all the time. I mean, he was more than dedicated, um, and just went. I don't—I don't know where he got his his energy because he was on way before me and, you know, I was tired, but he was, I mean, again, wanting to meet on weekends because we didn't get enough time to talk about this or that wanting to come up with shot, uh, like the shot list, wanting to come up with, you know, the blocking, wanting to, you know, make sure I get the overhead shot, wanting to help me do this sequence of, you know, just everything. He, he gave it his all on his um his cart where he stood and, and ran these wheels to, to, to work with camera he had a little espresso machine and he would always go, hey, Cheryl, you want an espresso? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like, oh my God, this is as good as it gets. Here you go. Before I even said it sometimes, here you go. And I was just like, he is taking care of me 200%. You know, he's helping me get my looks. He's helping me create the look I want for the show. He's adding new ideas. He's saying this and that. And then he's offering me an espresso. Lord, I was like, Okay. I don't, I don't want to leave. I didn't want to leave.
1: I was like, I don't have to leave.
5: It's over. Please invite me back. Saying, Please invite me back. I love, I love Bridget.
1: I just do. We'll be back after the break with a deep dive into the full arc of Kate and Anthony's love story.
0: Escape to Summer with Victoria's Secret. Welcome back. There's
2: something about the way it like all comes to a head in the last two episodes, but there's also a lot of finally happening in episodes 207 and 208.
3: So much happens in every episode. And I think Johnny and I both knew like where it was going to go and what was the difference obviously from reading the books and discussions with Chris we could kind of get a sense of where things were going and what was going to happen. But yeah, I think we were so engrossed in each block in each episode anyway, that I remember getting episode seven and eight and being like, no way. Like this is, this
2: happens." He's letting go of being the Viscount or at least trying to, he's getting with Edwina's older sister. Like there's a whole lot that's happening within Anthony um, when it comes to the family duty versus the love.
3: And it's so, earned. I think we, there's so much tension between them and you really follow their character's journeys and everything that they go through that when it does happen,
2: it's such fireworks. Working with Jonathan Bailey as Anthony, did you both have a lot of conversations about what was going on inside Anthony's head as he was making like these final decisions? Yeah.
5: Yeah. My conversations with Jonathan Bailey were just amazing. I mean, he's a wonderful, talented actor, theater, You know, Bridgeton. I mean, he goes, you know, beyond what he is uh, in this character. And I think he uses all his parts in this. I think the biggest issue which runs through the season is his relationship with his father. What happened many, many years ago. And if he can recover from that to move on and live his life. And I think that undercurrent was something that he really wanted people to feel you know what do you do with all that pent up energy that where you where you build over a scar and you never look into it you know you walk with a heavy heart and a dark heart and you can't heal and the the self internal healing that that character had to go through to be vulnerable again to show up to for, you know for Kate to Kate as as a whole being. And and not as you know as anything other than himself to offer himself to somebody instead of offer all these notions and all this baggage that he was carrying. So that was something that we really kind of drummed through. And and once we hit that spirit, I just stepped away and let him go. Right. I mean that that's one thing that he. I mean he's such a talented actor that he you know just could walk away and let him let him feel that and let him bring that to the surface. And some of those performances, I I, I must tell you that. I was crying.
2: And I would undoubtedly feel the same pain I felt all over again if I had to.
4: Because real, true love is worth it. No matter what. Do not lose her,
5: Anthony. You know, it's such a beautiful scene where he is sitting there listening to... Um, his, his mother and, and just having this moment with Violet and him and he just breaks down and lets it go and, and he listens instead of talks again, there's a lot of stuff on the page and there's a lot of stuff you just have to let people kind of translate into the performances and, and that's a performance that I would say that he, you know, just knocked out with ballpark.
4: I mean, from my, from my memory of it, it felt like the real the surge of realisation comes with Violet's conversation in episode in the final episode so i feel like that was probably the moment where she just i think she needs to be told that he's in love and that's amazing because it's amazing for so many reasons one that it's just such a generous act of and i know that phoebe tries to tell him that and to educate him that but he can't hear that because love for him is the absolute worst case scenario because it brings back all the trauma um, and Benedict has a sense of that but doesn't really push him that far just is kindly nudging him along the side, sidelines but really it's it's Violet who just says you know you are this is love and this is what it is and you need to go and fight for her and if you don't let this go you know and so god it's funny like even now I, I can well up like I well up I'm talking about it I always thought it was just because I was so tired filming the second series but I don't know. <laughs> It's like you really like you know you just get so funny, perhaps, as you play, but yeah, and I think it's just such a generous act. And I think in that moment, I think he has probably in his head a sort of Netflix retrospect montage, and suddenly everything clicks in a different way. And I think he pro he just in that moment manages to process so much and to understand that actually it is love. I think he just doesn't understand. I just think he really doesn't isn't emotionally. He doesn't have the vocabulary emotionally because I don't think he managed to grow in the right way because of losing his father is such a really, really delicate time for a man in their early 20s or, you know, well late teens even, where the world sees you as an adult and you're really, really not.
5: Yeah, that that was a beautiful one to see. Somebody with so much, you know, so much pomp and circumstance, so much about, you know, you know, what a viscount should be and who he should be, and he had become very unclear. He had become unstable, but his heart was opening, you know, when he really kind of lets go in my my final episode of my block, the last the last episode, and and really, you know, makes that decision and and actually really like lets, you know, Kate was gonna die. Uh, And he thought she was going to die and it dug right into that wound and he had to like come to terms with that. That's
2: right. Yeah. Kate falling and busting her head open does take him right back to those emotions that we see him facing in like his flashbacks and all of the reasons why he won't just fall.
4: You see it, witnessing a near-death experience, I think, with Kate triggers so much. But what happens in that moment, which I'm sure and I hope comes through, is that unlike his father, he probably, I feel like he must have really hated himself at the fact that he, he probably lives with the fact that he could have saved his father. But what happens with Kate is that he has a moment of freezing and then he actually clicks into action. He picks her up, he saves her. And I think, you know, he's so full of adrenaline after that that, he i think that is also a massive moment with violet where he realizes that he's managed to step up and that he is you know he is he is half of what his father was which is all he could ever hope to be because his father was in his eyes the the hero so yeah i feel like that's where he really works it out it's such a brilliant psychological study actually as to what that is and it's such a big part of why anthony is who he is and and why he's behaved in the way he has I lord. Run! Oh my God, Kate! Call the surgeon at once. Just a she has a cut in the back of her head. I kept pressure on it, but it needs stitching. Sharma. Can you hear me? you are blank. She's still shivering. Allow me to get to work. There was a moment where we were talking, me and Chris, about the back and the flashbacks, and I, uh, I was really, really keen on playing them. And I think they could have gone either way. I think they'd mentioned they might get a younger actor. And I just think for the understanding of Ruth Violet's character, but also Anthony from series one and series two, just it's such a specific and very perceptive relationship of trauma between generations where Anthony's had to, and I've said this before, but it sort of had to be a surrogate husband to her as we see her trauma. Or at least has to be supportive and give her space. But in doing so, you know there was no other option really because there was no sort of therapy at the time or support system. But he, yeah, I think he sort of fell through the cracks. And I think, and it's not her fault, but I think she sort of allowed that to happen. And I, and that was kind of upsetting. And after that, I think I went I me mean, I did actually burst into tears, and Ruth was just there. So me, we were downstairs somewhere near the snack between the snacks and the uh, and the coffee van. <laughs> And it was just a bit, yeah, I think I just, it's just quite, it was quite an anxious place to be, I think. You get through it, but you just, and also with with Ruth watching her, because of the nature of the sort of intensity of those scenes, we, me and Ruth, balanced out by just sort of crying with laughter when we weren't doing it.
5: Even listening to, um, there's a moment where uh, Will, I mean, the young actor who plays uh, uh, Will, is Gregory, he comes in the room and... Uh, He's a little vulnerable about coming in to speak to uh, Anthony, Gregory is at one point. And they have a moment together looking at their father's portrait on the wall and doing this kind of, that was a breakdown. It's like, I loved him. This is how I loved him. You don't remember him, but he would have loved you. He was silly. And him being able to talk about that.
4: Your father was the best man I've ever known. It's good for a laugh, of course, but he was courageous and never afraid to fight, not just for his family, but for everything else, too.
5: To do that, I shot from the point of view of the father's portrait, looking down at them as they're looking up, Mm. and it's created a wonderful center-punched. Uh, duo, and then you know I did a reverse on them too. Because um, st- the team is just great. We're just great, great. You know, Jeff was just amazing to work with. So capturing some really great moments
4: around around uh, in my block around around this storyline. Yeah, I mean there's so many micro shifts, and I think some of those are surprising to him. And I don't. I think it's interesting with Anthony to know when he's aware of what's happening to him and when he's not. And I feel I felt like he was kind of incredibly anxious anyway all the time and was really buckling under the pressure of his responsibilities so um, i sort of made a decision quite early on that actually a lot of his sense and perspective on what's happening only really only really happens when he's on his own so when he's having every sort of interaction he has is so intense um every different character that he's sort of just trying to get through each moment and I think so many times he upsets people or says the wrong thing. And so mapping that out and seeing how that goes forward, it feels it felt like he was just acting in the moment quite a lot of the time, other than the prescribed approach of just, you know, choosing a wife. And Edwina is, for all intents and purposes, just sort of a perf- perfect Viscountess material. Um, so, yeah, so it's just sort of like, he's actually sort of, he's sort of split, I think, in a psychological term, in that he's sort of like... Represses so much of who he really is and his yearning and he's done that for so long as we know and I think that's why it's so important to see his love affair with Sienna in Series 1 and to see how badly he could treat people and how how tough he was with himself around it Um, because with Kate we see that he immediately starts compartmentalising that but I think basically it it was Chris Van Dusen is just so great and his understanding and interpretation of all of the characters is just beyond um and so much of it's in the edit as well yeah i just think he was just kind of in the moment and if i think that's that was my approach to it and i think then going into that final ball and the final dance is just really torturous for him because you know as we all know as humans you can work out that you're in love and that you feel those things but the next stage is how do you communicate that and how do you nurture it and how do you catch it and keep it alive i
5: think those are lessons that we you know especially during this pandemic where we're losing so many people and this world we're losing so many people and just life. You're able to talk about your pain. They, he, she, whatever, man, woman, whatever you are, talk about your pain, communicate it, don't hold it on. It, it, and this is something I I do in my life right now. You can't carry everybody's suitcases, especially your own, forever. It's too heavy. It's too heavy. It, it, it clogs you up. You're not living your own life. So that's something that he did in in another scene and it was really beautiful
1: after the break we'll return to wrap up the season finale
0: escape to summer with victoria's secret pack your bags with just arrived swim cover-ups corset tops and other sexy silhouettes when the sun goes down opt for bold and blingy styles like the made-to-be-seen very sexy push-up bra from the very sexy collection in on-trend hues like black shine green and citron
2: You mentioned when we first started talking about having all of the fun married sex scenes in episode 208. There's a moonlit scene where Anthony and Kate are, they're like fighting, but, you know, they still, they just still fall into each other. What was that like? It was not easy. I
5: mean, uh, so Chris really, the writer and showrunner, really wanted this stuff to be shot outside. And, you know, them to have sex outside in this, you know, um, under the moonlit, you know, on the ground and this and that. And it's November. (laughs) It's November. Yeah. To get all those clothes off, you're wearing a corset, to make that happen romantically. It just wasn't that easy. I had to figure out a lot to in, in shooting it with Jeff. In, in pieces, the way it kind of shoot around it, what to bring inside. We could bring some of these moments, how to shoot it tight enough or wide enough. And, and and then again, about the kind of, you know, what we had to do with an intimacy counsel and, and coordinator to make sure that everybody was OK involved in this moment. So and then just still to make it sexy. Right. So it was a lot of uh, stuff that was not on the page that had to be taken into consideration um, to capture and, and shoot to then, you know, toss over to the edit um, and to be able to cut up. So I had to make sure I was getting everything and everything safely and hot. And, you know, literally trying to make people feel like they're hot. (laughs) I mean, we're outside in the cold at like, you know, I don't know what time of day. It was like 1 a.m. when we're shooting these scenes. Oh, my goodness. Um, So I, I knew that I had... In, in my block. The thing that everybody was waiting for for a to show yeah, for, for Bridgerton is this hot sex, you know, or sexy, the hot sexy of it. Yeah. So, you know, I had to make it look good and I had to think about like what movements were going to happen, what what play they were going to be doing when they did get down to it, you know, what facial expressions they were going to have, what what's going to be the turn on for them and for viewers down the road. So I had a lot to kind of bring, but I, I again, I, I do have a, Background. I think even all the way back to the Watermelon Woman, even my shorts, she don't fade. You know, I always think that bodies are beautiful. You know, just knowing how to shoot that kind of close-up, you know, shooting reaction shots, and then making sure to work around the concept of, for me, what kind of sex are are we going to say that the the brown woman's going to have outside of wedlock? That last season, the non brown woman had you know, in wedlock. And we saw, so I had to kind of think about how I could play with that.
2: Oh, snap.
5: Right. So I wanted to make sure that was balanced and I tossed those ideas and luckily Chris and the whole team, um, you know, Tom all understood exactly. Oh, yes. <laughs> we don't want to leave that message. I said, Yeah, because you're going have like some brown girl giving it up before she married when the season didn't do it. And they were like, You're right, Cheryl. Oh, my you know, God. I said, All right, let's figure out the, the sex act that will work that w- can be played with so we don't get into that thing where why does she have to do that? You know, so um, I, I was heard. And, and uh, so I, I just felt really good about that. And I feel really great with what, what we shot and, and how it's going to come off. And people are going to really, like, it does the job. I didn't even
2: consider that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> wow. She paid a lot of attention to detail, especially in my intimacy scenes with Johnny. There were a few details that were directed and initiated by Cheryl to kind of, she wanted it to be you know this is an indian girl we're seeing on screen maybe for the first time in a scene like this and we want it to be empowering for her
2: yeah in such a society and type of show where that was like absolutely a no-no yeah. like you could barely touch somebody in the courtyard <laughs> or be alone unchaperoned yeah um and what message is that sending yeah
3: but actually it then made an even <laughs> For a better word, right. kind of moment where we see Anthony giving pleasure to Kate. Um, so it was Kate kind of having her cake, for a better word. Um, <laughs> which I think, yeah, I mean, which is you know, I I think it's really important to kind of portray females in their in their sexuality in in such power and confidence and right getting what they deserve. Gosh, yeah, seven and eight. yeah my brother called me the other day and he's so sweet and so supportive but he was like are there any episodes
2: i kind of should flick through by the way um so yeah um just don't watch the whole last part of the show yeah exactly (laughs) is that what you have to tell him to kind of pinpoint at least um yeah yeah it's
3: gonna be it's gonna be great i think it's gonna be wild but working with cheryl on those scenes on on a whole it was amazing and i think by block four which is the block that she directed we all kind of were so warmed up into our characters by then it was such a joy working with her
5: especially when you see the the fire between the two of them at the 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 last ball, that that i got to shoot that that just where they fall in love completely and she just the two what a match i mean what i mean you know that that casting was above me but um, that was this such you know karma from the Sharma,
2: <laughs> right?
4: Well, actually, I don't know if this is true. I don't. I definitely think in that final dance scene is that there there is a version where they could have said the wrong thing at the wrong time, which could have meant that the other one. She she could have left, and I felt like the stakes had to be so high. And I, the fact that she says she comes to him and says, you know, you know, I needed someone to lean on at the at the ball, and I think that's they just edge closer and closer and closer, and then she leaves.
3: I think we've all experienced relationships like that, where we're so afraid, we, maybe it comes from a people-pleasing place, but we're so afraid maybe to just be honest with one another because of the fear of it crumbling, um, Where, when actually it's the opposite of that. I think the more honest you are with each other in, in any relationship, the, you give uh, in, an opportunity to kind of grow and become a stronger relationship.
4: We should continue to keep our distance between us in light of the-
0: Perhaps we should not.
5: I actually weirdly had, you know, some odd knowledge of, I I went to a little black girls dance school for 13 years of my life when I was a young, youngin. And um, working with the balls and the dances were just amazing. And it touched a whole different side of me. And, um, you know, coordinating them and, Having that sensibility about music and dance and romance there was something that uh, just was already in me. And and this really kind of came out when, you know, we were working on on that with Jack. He was just amazing.
2: Oh, Jack Murphy. Yes. He was like,
5: I love him. Jack and I just were like, the minute we had one meeting, it was like, you and me, when do you want to go out? <laughs> when do you want to just come by and hang out? Because we just got it. We were just dancing up a storm, singing songs. So um that was one person and and that was one quality of the show making that I didn't know I could just I was all worried, like the balls, oh my God, how do you deal with these big ass balls? You know, they're so coordinated. And then he and I worked it out and it was just beautiful. And it just it just clicked with some innate thing. It was like, you get it. I don't know why. Cheryl, you get it. And I was like, I guess I do. It's somewhere in me.
2: How many days did you have to shoot your ball scenes, and were they like on location, or was there a soundstage built?
5: One or two days, and there, you know, the, the sets are already huge. So we, the, the ballrooms are pretty big sets. We just, you know, came up with them and rehearsed them. He rehearsed alone with the actors and uh, the dancers. And then he those the actors and then leaves those two together. But the dancers are the dancers, and then the actors who are dancing are actors who are dancing. So integrating the two of them is, is, uh, is the magic. Then there's, you know, they're having you know, story points and conversations that I have to film. So it's like how to make all that seamless. Like.
0: I think they look beautiful together. Beautiful indeed. Do they not?
1: Do they not? Oh, yeah, Yes, yes. 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 yes.
3: Then why is no one else dancing?
2: In addition to the big payoff scenes, you also have these big rejection scenes that you're doing. I just feel like you just had so much stuff um, to untangle. Yeah. And I think actually, you know,
3: we, we, we meet Kate and she's this extremely fierce, hardcore kind of tough cookie. But especially by the wedding, Not that in in a negative way, but you kind of see that kind of breakdown of it and she's incredibly vulnerable and soft and you see it all comes from a place of her being too afraid to maybe do what she wants because she's been so used to taking care of people around her.
4: With Simone, it was brilliant because we're just such good partners. It felt like we had such a good centre team um, that we sort of did all the work on our own. We never we sort of uh, naturally fell into uh, a sort of work ethic where we didn't really run lines together and we kept it quite separate, which I think is really helpful. for. Um, and then we would just talk loosely around what we thought was coming and when we'd read the scripts and what we thought. And, and so it meant that we could really surprise each other. And I think that's always really important. So we just sort of, I think we have the same instincts about the ways to approach telling the story, but also about Kate and Anthony. And, and they are very, very, very similar and bonded through trauma and through experience and through being the first and eldest. And then and then in personality, anyway, I think they're sort of wired in quite a similar way.
3: And it's actually then Anthony and Edwina actually are the ones that kind of grab her and are like, wait. I think Anthony literally does that with her in, the, in a closet where Kate's kind of hiding away and she's going to run away again. He grabs her and he's like, wait, just wait. Like, can we just take a moment and just talk? About our feelings, about what's happening, but Kate just runs away because she's very scared.
4: And what if your family's financial? Lady Danbury has
2: kindly offered to sponsor my mother and sister for another season. I am certain they would do perfectly well on their own, as it is clear I am of no help.
4: You are running away. Yeah, the approach to them coming together is so sort of delicate, and it felt like. Just to be as honest as possible every step of the way in, in playing each moment. And, and then at the end, the actual declaration of love is quite fairly simple, I think. And then you just fully trust Chris Van Dusen and the you know, amazing Shondaland team to put it all together.
5: I think the way that it's made, like you feel, the show feels really good because the people involved with the show, the way that it's made, the family that makes it, is having such a good time. And, and the love that's there, the cast and the crew, Everybody feels it.
2: Everyone says that. Everyone talks about how tight-knit and safe the environment is, as and safe as in, like, we can take risks.
5: Tom Berica, who is the producing director, and that's the type of person who stays with the show the whole time, and, you know, he's had other shows, and he's just a, a great guy. He's an actor himself. He was How to Get Away with Murder. He's the husband of Viola Davis. Yes. I mean, he's doing all of Queen Charlotte. But he was, he actually, for, for us directors, for at least me and my relationship to him, A, we're, again, he, we're born on the same day, May 13th. <laughs> um, he's from Philly and I'm from Philly. Um, his sister went to the same high school that I went to, which is quite interesting. I mean, we just had like so much synergy. And, and just the way that Tom loves and cares and caretakes as well as works is, I, again, I, I, I learned, my heart grew so much. Uh, for uh, as a, as a director and as a person from, from watching Tom, you know, ha- how he handles the floor and how he works with people. That's the one best thing about working on a show. Great. You get to make great content, whatnot, but when you get to see other people work and, and learn from that process and, and incorporate that into your directing style, that's what matters. And I, I learned so much on, on on Bridget. And I just, I must honestly say that I, I've learned so much. And um. And I know that it's going I'm, I'm taking it to Audrey, I take it to all the work that I'm doing now. And and that's all that I could say is that was just the, the best experience I've had.
2: Oh my goodness. But it was all great. It was a
5: grand time and um I'm so blessed to have this conversation with you about it. Bring is bring up so many great uh, feelings that I'm gonna carry through the rest of this day. Oh,
3: <laughs> Gosh, I'm just really excited to see everyone see Johnny Bailey's take on Anthony Bridgerton's coming out into the marriage market and finding his love match and for everyone to meet the Sharmas and to see them kind of ruffle up some feathers within the Tom that we know in Bridgerton. Mm -hmm. And also to see Phoebe, um, because we obviously fell in love with her in season one, but to see the Duchess kind of just, slay in this season She's, she really has just grown so much as a character and as a person and she I think that's another very special thing for me is um, befriending Phoebe and just getting to know her and she gave me a lot of advice I think um, it, that, that that really meant a lot to me as well so yeah I'm excited for all of those different things and for the world to just see it all unfold this season's going to be fantastic
4: just want to add Chris Van Dusen is an absolute hero. And I love Sean Netflix. and Netflix <laughs> and everyone involved in Bridgerton. They're all amazing. Thank you
1: for joining us on this deep dive into the world of Bridgerton. And a special thanks to all of our guests for joining us and sharing some of these fantastic stories and interviews from behind the scenes. If you enjoyed Bridgerton, the official podcast, please subscribe, share with your friends, rate, or leave us a review. Bridgerton, the official podcast is executive produced by Sandy Bailey, Lauren Homan, Tyler Klang, and Gabrielle Collins. Our producer and editor is Vince Dijani. Bridgerton, the official podcast is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app or anywhere you subscribe to your favorite shows.